Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Val McCarty is in the business of helping organizations visualize, communicate, and execute strategy in real time. Her studies were acquired at both University of Alberta and Grant McEwen University and encompassed management, education, and human services with an aim to continue learning. Her previous experience includes the financial sector, fitness sector, and early childhood education. When Val is not at work, you can find her outside with her grandkids or looking forward to the next live jam. Let's join Val for her discussion on innovative greenhouse technology with her guest, Angela Solano. The mic is yours, Val. Welcome listeners to another edition of Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. The LIBI podcast is supported by Rainforest Alberta and showcases those who are contributing to and or supporting the innovation ecosystem in Alberta. Let me introduce myself, Val McCarty. I am in the business of empowering startups through friendships, knowledge, and opportunities, helping get your business why socialized and helping your business get funded. And today my guest is Angela Solano. And Angela has the neatest product. I am so looking forward to hearing all about her innovation. She and her family got together and they basically thought we must rethink existing food systems to address rising threats to our climate, economy, and health. Long-term solutions are are the only way forward. And the company is called Rimco Greens. It's a revolutionary technology, and it will set the bar for generations to come. It's all about sustainable food production in every climate. So Rimco Greens exists to ensure food security through the climate crisis while reducing agricultural emissions. So welcome, welcome, Angela. Thank you so much, Val. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for thinking of me to include me in this series. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. This is going to be a great conversation. And so how did Rimco Greens get started? What's, what's the, what was the, the big aha moment for you guys? Oh, let's see. It's obviously tired, hard to tie it to one moment, but in general, what was happening was my, my parents were overseas working in Malaysia and looking towards, you know, retirement in the next five to 10 years, planning things out. And what, you know, let's say my dad's always been a work focused guy, not, not had much hobbies and he really enjoys the challenges that engineering has brought his life. So it was kind of thinking through what would requirement look like for him. He couldn't imagine, you know, going fishing was not, it's not his thing. So he thought, well, it'd be great to have kind of an early retirement to while I still have kind of my energy and my focus, I want to take that to take everything I've built up in terms of my experience and, and my expertise here to solve a major challenge. Like I, I want to really make a big contribution. And at the time, it was back in, let's say, 20, around 2015. It was even then they were starting to get pretty concerned about issues with food security, speci- specifically with climate change. But also as their diet became more and more plant-based, to think through the food safety issues that that have been have been found there and potentially to, to keep increasing with food being transported long distances and 
and so on. So yeah, so they thought, okay, let's build a greenhouse. <laughs> let's uh, somehow that that became the the thing. Why don't we build a greenhouse? I was living in Calgary at the time, as I, I still am. So they thought, you know, be close to the family. Uh, let's get a greenhouse built in Canada, and that'll be a family business. With the thinking that with our energy background, we could make it highly energy efficient. And so kind of step one is as a family, we'll have some food security, right? Like future generations will have some food security and then we'll see how far that impact can grow. So they, they became really excited about this, especially as they found more and more about how climate control systems and greenhouses currently operate. It just became a more and more obvious opportunity that there was a lot of energy integration and optimization that could be done there, basically taking all the principles and technologies that they had themselves applied and seen applied for hundreds of years in processing plants, you know, huge processing plants all over the world, usually for oil and gas purposes. Those same principles could be applied to climate control in a greenhouse, but it seemed nobody was really looking into this as a specific area and it seemed there's huge potential. So yeah, so that was very exciting proposition and the enough that my dad left his job and they they both moved to, to Calgary and found a plot of land and and started planning out the system, designing and kind of the, the research and development that would take a few years actually to to complete. An enormous change and, and an enormous product project to take on. And and I believe that the construction started in 2016. It would go from there. Yes, yes, exactly. So it was very important to them. I don't know. I I guess not coming from a entrepreneurship background in, in terms of how things maybe are typically done for them from a technical point of view, it was very important to prove out that the system could work before reaching out to other people to get, you know, whether it's investment or collaboration or partnership or anything, it just, they felt this idea will be so far out, <laughs> maybe that it, it's hard to get buy-in. So, and they themselves wanted to see it working, right? Prove it to themselves. So they they went with the bootstrapping route of things and kind of investing all of their, their resources and time into building out the system, testing it, proving it. And of course that led to various iterations to to address issues, make things more optimized and improve the system to the point that it is now. So it was about 2020, maybe, yeah, in the 2020 year that the system, all the components were completed and tested to the point that they felt, wow, not only is this, uh, is this functional, it's, it's way beyond the type of the capacity that we expected. So that was a very great uh, milestone. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. And there were some challenges too, especially through COVID suppliers and things. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's always the challenges. There's the ones that I think hit everybody. The COVID is a particular one where even we had some shipments ready to go and, and so that put in all the work. So we have a few of our equipment discussed and made in, in China. And, and some other supplies as well we sourced there. So yeah, we had all, done all these amazing feats to get a container full of these, I think it was like 20 different suppliers worth of materials that we had ready to go for the next phase of our project. And it was, uh, the order had already been approved. It had been paid for. And at that moment, there was a, a breakout of COVID in this city in China. So the whole port was shut down and everything was put in storage. 
And then after that, as I'm sure lots of listeners have heard, the container prices, like the shipping prices went through the roof. So kind of waiting things out, see how they were going to go, almost even getting a spot was hard. So yeah, the, the, the delays the delays definitely were, were costly and we had to find ways around. But that's, I guess that's what we do. It's, a, it's the same experience as just engineering in general, which is our background, right? It's just problem solving. And that's, that's a lot of what entrepreneurship has been. It's just different, different style of problems sometimes, but it's, it's exciting. It is different style of problems, but different style of problem solving. But, but yeah, just requires focus and a little bit of faith too. <laughs> and, and similar style, I guess it's like that oh, problems often can become opportunities, right? Because then maybe you have more time to dedicate to different things than what was the plan and you have new ideas. And definitely we found that along the way as, as well. Most definitely. Almost everything happens for a reason. That, that's fantastic. So this is the first time that a greenhouse can be fully sealed and operate in any climate with near zero energy use. So let's talk a little bit about what's special about your greenhouse. Sure, yeah. So as I mentioned, the our focus began with energy use. And of course, in Canada, that means heating during winter, right? So that was most greenhouses, and people don't know this, but most greenhouses shut down during winter. The reason it's not intuitive is because you think, well, why do we have a greenhouse then? The whole point is to protect it from the climate. But but greenhouses require venting, which still makes them quite exposed to the outdoor conditions. And so you can cool and heat them, but there's... a threshold that is not that big of what you can do without incurring expenses that are too big, especially when you're growing food. So it's not a high value item, right? So chemically, it's not feasible. So yeah, the, the focus became, how do we heat this during winter? And for that, it seemed, again, a pretty big opportunity to be able to capture heat during the day and use it at night. And, you know, that's right now, most greenhouses, I guess the, the vast majority will be cooling all day and then heating all night. And that's a huge energy integration myth, right? That that seemed like, well, we, if we can just do this. So as the as we were designing a system that could capture heat during the day to use at night, we found the ability to design a system that was so efficient that not only can we capture energy during the day, but we can capture enough energy that the greenhouse can actually be sealed. So let me go back to why do greenhouses need to be venting? It's the greenhouse effect, right? They get way too hot. If we just seal a greenhouse, I think we've seen upwards of like 80 degrees Celsius within the greenhouse if it's not cooled in, an, in some way, right? And so venting is the most, the cheapest way of cooling typically. So that's what you do. Just add some fans if necessary to add, add in some cooling. If we, can, if we seal a greenhouse, we need to be able to keep you know to reduce all that heat right to to oh my god like to cool <laughs> to cool to cool to cool that space and so sometimes you can find like technically you can add an air conditioner but that's again not economically feasible if you're if you're producing as food maybe for medicine or, or other purposes you could do that but not for food so what our technology is at its core is thermal energy storage but optimized in a way beyond what is what is done today. So not we capture the energy during the day using a thermal mass and we can do this in such a, an optimal way to, to maximize heat transfer to that mass. So that is, is the only cooling method that we need. So what does that mean is not only are we capturing the maximum of energy to use at night, which was our original goal, but since the space is sealed, it's so efficient that it can be sealed. 
then it means we can control conditions precisely within that space. So again, if you're venting, if you're connected to the outside environment, there's only so much that you can change your temperature or humidity as air is constantly circulating in. But since we keep can maintain the space sealed, then we can provide that precision control on humidity and temperature. And these different you know, levels of control is comparable to what you might hear about in indoor farms or vertical farms. It's, that's the kind of benefit that we're looking at that we can optimize. We can control variables that will optimize yield quality. You don't, you know, you have built in pest protection, protection from pests. So you're, you won't be able to, you won't need to use pesticides or, or herbicides, fungicides. These are the things that we can drastically reduce or completely eliminate from, from the system. And so, yeah, there's many advantages to being fully sealed. The climate control is a key piece that makes it able to happen inside a greenhouse. And I would say the difference between having this in a greenhouse or having it in an indoor farm, as I, as I mentioned, is the fact that we can use all the sunlight available to us, right? We don't need to grow using 100% artificial lights, which are great. And I understand getting more and more efficient all the time, but it's still beneficial to be able to use the free energy from the sun as much as possible and reduce any emissions from that as well. That's so fantastic. It's almost too good to be true. <laughs> it's, but it is, it's everything that one would need in order to produce a healthy, vibrant food without all the negatives and with all the positives. It's, it's just what a great idea. So the vision and business model for our listeners here, let's talk a little bit about the, the vision and the business model. That bigger, and this is it's been evolving, and I'm sure will continue to evolve like any business. But the point that we're at now, when you say it's too good to be true, it's not the first time we've heard it, and <laughs> and I, and I understand that we, this is this is also what keeps us going through all the challenges. Is regardless of how you know personally this may be a, a, a challenge for us, and at some point you're like, you know, is it is it worth it on the on the tough days? It is. It is so good. It needs to happen. Like we need to make this happen. And so, so, so no, in terms of, of proving out what's possible, we understand kind of the onus is on us still at this point and what our next stage is to be a produce, produce supplier. So we are preparing our commercial pilots to be able to produce uh, lettuce is in within, you know, by next year or late next year. And then we'll be able to show the quality and consistency that's possible within this space, as well as the operational records of the kind of the costs, the cost savings that are possible and, and the energy use and, and, and so on. So we plan to have year-round operation within that commercial pilot greenhouse for a year or so and use that to further our business model into maybe adding a greenhouse, another greenhouse or two for R&D. I mean, maybe it's like maybe for other crops, maybe to test in other climates. But the point is to further extend the potential of what can be done. We're starting with lettuce because it'll be easier to compare to what's out there today. So we can see what are, what is the one-to-one difference and what we can bring to the table. And then we want to, of course, explore using growing crops that are not typically grown, let's say in Alberta, in greenhouses because... Typically, it's not economically feasible to operate these year round or to grow those crops. So, yeah, within the climate. So that's kind of the next stages. The ultimate in terms of vision of the business is to be able to offer these turnkey greenhouses to others so that we are not the bottleneck of 
Rumako Greens being in charge of food production for the world, but rather we can give this tool to others to do their own growing. So that may begin with, you know, other growers that are currently in the business and eventually even be to anybody in the city that wants to have their own business and maybe own a greenhouse outside the city that they can run as a the lifestyle business. The, the basic scale that we're looking at is that it could be income for a family. So that it's a possibility. What a great idea. What a great idea. Yeah. The, the ultimate vision is for everyone to be able to have a greenhouse as a business and a high percentage of our food to be grown locally by these independent farmers. Fantastic idea. Yeah. We say the world needs more farmers and we ask too much of the almost, I, I think it's declining farmer population that we have. So we need to. It is. It's their, their margins. The farmer's margin is just so low. The, the, uh, yeah, the, the government, you know, has put in some regulations and this type of thing. And yeah, that the, the uh, regular farmer's margin is just very, very low. And that's why a lot of them are getting out of it, but they're the only ones that grow our food. So <laughs> we need them. We need them back. It's a remarkably tough business. And I think we ask too much, uh, too much of the burden to be shouldered. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of being a city dweller that takes food for granted and I can just go to the grocery store. And it's been shockingly enlightening what, what is that, what actually takes and how much, how much farmers are actually taking on sort of a personal sacrifice to bring our food on. Like, you know, working at a loss, working crazy hours and, and situations, living under high stress. And so anything that we can do to lower, lower that barrier and make it more accessible to others. So the burden's not so heavy, but that's what, that's what drives us, I guess. That's good. That's good. So how you got involved after your parents developed the tech. Let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> so I say I, I, I studied engineering because I'm not a business person. <laughs> like that's, that's how I always thought of myself. I don't think of myself as being kind of a, that entrepreneurial spirit or risk-taking type of personality. But having said that, when I saw what they had done and they said, you know, this is, this is what's possible. We need to commercialize this. We need to find a way to get this out. And, and they invited me to come on to the project. At first, I, you know, when you say it's too good to be true, I totally relate again because that was, that was what I thought. <laughs> I said, well, you know, it's been a nice project that you've been talking about, but let me look into what's out there. But to my surprise, the more I looked into what the solutions that were out there and what the needs that were out there, how many people there are out there talking about these problems, even then and more and more every year about food security, about climate change, about food safety, about growing local and, and all these benefits and, and supply chain issues, of course, becoming more and more of worse that we hear in the last couple of years. And on the other hand, the solutions that are being worked on, none of them are really in this space. None of them that are that you know, th there's lots of work being done, of course, and, and amazing, and we need all of it, but not, not that much specifically on energy in rethinking the energy use here. So it was really inspiring to me. And, and when I saw, you know, actually being in the greenhouse and seeing how the system works, I helped to put the patent together that we wrote. And it's just being that intimately involved highlighted to me, this is a thing that needs to be done. And so I say I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur in spirit, but I do think of myself as a problem solver and as a person that kind of rises to what needs to be done to be done. And so that's what I would say I've, I've taken on. And so I'm in my role as a CEO and co-founder of Remaco Greens right now. This is my mission is to 
make this happen and join up with those who are on the same path. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful to hear. What has it been like entering the startup world? Like we talked a little bit about challenges, community and resources. I love it that you're there's sort of the, oh, there's a challenge. I'm up to that. Let's see how we can solve it. <laughs> I love that outlook. Let's talk a little bit about what it's been like entering that startup world. Yes. And actually, this is the main reason I thought I, I'd be happy to come and join the chat on the podcast because I want to pay tribute a little bit to the great startup community that I have privileged to enter in Calgary. I, I'm, sh I'm sure it can't be the same in everywhere in the world. So it, it feels, feel very lucky to be here. And my entry was like, these things go is very slight kind of stepping a toe in and, and not, sh not sure again, because of my background, what kind of reception I would have, what kind of resources there, there would be, or the type of people I'd be meeting, how much <laughs> we'd be able to relate to each other. And no, it's just been very welcome surprise how it is very strong community, but also very welcoming community. And, uh, so I started by kind of just browsing online. The first program I checked out was Startup Calgary. They had some agriculture-focused programs, which were not even running at the time. So I signed up for the 101 startup courses. There's like a couple of 101 courses and a 201 course. And these were online it was during pandemic times, like lockdown times. So we did everything online and the resources shared were great. It gave me a good start to knowing what's available. One of the mentors that, you know, guided the courses was especially kind to reach out and give me some follow-up advice. One of the resources he pointed out was to check out TNT, Startup TNT. So that was probably my biggest foray into actually meeting people at the beginning. And, and so attending these Thursday night tradition Beers was, was a nice way to start getting to know people, getting to know their businesses, talking about these topics that had been going around in my head a lot, but I didn't necessarily have the community of people with know-how to talk to about these things. And so doing it in this informal environment and even just being part of the conversations that were being had, even if, you know, just hearing a couple other people chat about their experiences was, was so, I cannot speak highly enough of the value of that. And so that, that group is great. I would recommend anybody to ch check them out. And, and I try to make it whenever I can to those chats for networking and also even just the awareness what's what's going on. Networking is a word that is not very attractive to me traditionally. It sounds very like, I don't know, very intimidating and very not my thing. And this, so I don't even want to call it that. It's, it's just for me, it's a very informal, nice way to meet fellow humans that are on a similar path to yours. And, and that is, is very like, it's a great sense of community, I guess. And that, that's, that's exactly it. Even here in the, in the rainforest community, it's a fantastic community. And any of these other communities that you had mentioned, yes, hats off to them too. It's when you uh, enter that environment, I think for me, myself, one of the first things I realized is oh, everybody else has the same either fears or similar problems to what I'm going through. And sometimes, like you say, you might not even have been pitching that night, but just to be there and to listen to what one person is struggling with and have everybody else offer, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you tried the other? And it just allows you to think clearer and emotions aside, you can almost know I can tackle this challenge, right? 
it's what a fantastic community to be in. I'll just uh, right now take an opportunity to give Lunch Without Lunch at Rainforest Alberta a little high five. Lots of community events are talked about at at that venue and also a lot of networking (laughs) is done too. And so I would encourage any of our listeners to go ahead and and be part of that Lunch Without Lunch on Rainforest. Tell our listeners a little bit about what's next for Rimico Greens. Sure. Yeah. So I'll I'll wrap up the the first point, which is I the 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 latest way that I've gotten involved with the entrepreneurship community has been attending the or being a participant in the SVG Thrive Academy Pre Accelerator, which again I cannot speak highly enough about. It was extremely valuable in terms of the content, the connections, and and the the type of boost that it gave us as a business to to get ready for the next stage. I look forward to continuing my relationship with them. And uh, right now, again, our focus is to work on the commercial pilot and uh, and reach out, continue to reach out to retailers to plan out what the demand, plan out our production to meet the demand that is is apparent, that is the, that is seen in the Calgary area. We will be looking to race around funding next year as well and uh, contacting Alberta Innovates for, for programs that, that we could use. But mainly, and I... You got ahead of me with the Lunch Without Lunch. That's also been an amazing, <laughs> amazing community to join. And I've just joined this Slack group. So I look forward to that and, and being more involved. Met uh, Stephen through, through that. So Stephen Lever is a common friend and, 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 and great people like that, that know about the ecosystem and are happy to connect you and help you with the resources that are available. Looking forward more to that. And I guess I would say to anyone that is new newer than me <laughs> to the community and, and wants to talk to someone who may be more new as well and have more an approachable point of view. I'm open to chatting about my experience and any recommendations I can make. Yes, for sure. That's wonderful. And I know the website for your company is very, very good and laid out quite well. You know how some websites you, you go to them and you can't quite figure out where to go, but this one, it's absolutely awesome. And they have a contact us button on the website. And again, the website is Rimaco Greens. So R-I-M-A-C-O Greens, G-R-E-E-N-S dot com. So a Rimaco Greens dot com. Definitely go to that website, contact, use the contact button if you would like to speak to Angela or, or anybody on their team. The whole idea of adaptable, clean, sustainable food growth is, is absolutely fantastic. And again, a shout out to any of the listeners who know of anybody that could help them with their seed funding. <laughs> Let's get that underway. I would really, really love to see this succeed in, in so, on so many levels. Thank you, Angela, so much for this time. What a fantastic half hour we've had. Yeah, I can't, can't say enough. It's just so positive. Uh, thank you for the chat, Val. This has been great. And I love the podcast, so I look forward to listening to future episodes as well. Yeah, the, the Rainforest Alberta does a fantastic job at the podcast. There's a few hosts that, that will visit with guests, and then they have a team, Al Dal Deegan and his team do a great job of editing. And so, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic community. Again, there's that community. I think Alberta is just community, <laughs> period, you know? It's a, a great province to live in. So thank you so much, listeners. We will say adieu for now and we'll pick you up on the next podcast. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. 
become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.